Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Amen. How we doing? Good to see you tonight, church. Thanks for being here and uh, wherever you might be watching. Everyone at South Campus, we're glad that you joined us today. And if you're watching online or wherever, uh, we're glad that you are. You only have so many hours in a week and you gave one to us tonight or today or whenever it is. So thank you. I hope we don't waste it for you. Hope we don't blow it. It's not a great way to start a sermon. Um, <laughs> Uh, it is good to be in church today, regardless, and uh, I'm excited to just kind of hop right in. We're in this new series called Dress Code. It's not new anymore. We're in week three now, and we're talking about what to wear for warfare, because following Jesus is a battle. Following Jesus comes with a dress code that makes sure that we are prepared and ready and equipped and alert for whatever it is that's going to happen to us along the way, because we believe that there is a battle that's happening around us that we don't necessarily see, but it's a real thing. And so we need to be prepared for that and alert and ready for that. Um, we need to remember that, that we're in the middle of it even now, right? Like every, every worship set, um, every, every church service, every sermon, everything that's going on, it's a battle. The enemy hates this right now. Do you know that? He hates it. He hates that we just sang to Jesus. He hates that we sang about Jesus. He hates that we're going to declare his word tonight. He doesn't like that, that you're here in church on purpose and that you're like he hates it. And so he'll, he'll even do everything he can to keep you from getting to church. And, and you think even about some of those times in your life when, it, when it's just hard. You, you're just like, oh, I don't think I'm going to go to church today. Right? I'm, I'm tired. I'm busy. I've, I, um, there's so much going on. It's too cold out. It's too hot out. It's summer vacation, it's March break, or, or maybe, maybe even just trying to get out the door is a battle. And, and you, you get into an argument with your spouse or your kids or just being kids or, or whatever it is. The, the enemy the whole time is kind of planting these seeds, isn't he? You don't need church. What a waste of time. This is irrelevant. You could miss a week. What's the big deal? And so he hates this. And, and even right now, uh, during the sermon, he will do everything he can to distract you, to keep you from really being engaged in what's going on. He'll make you think about every other thing except this. Your mind will wander to the craziest places. You'll think of all the things you need to do, like in July. You'll, you'll rip it out your calendars, like, oh yeah, I better get that down right now, on March like 11th or whatever it is. He will distract 
and, and cause doubt, and he will do, he'll just get your mind on whatever he can, the stuff you've got coming up, the way the person in front of you smells right now, or whatever, whatever it is. He's just like, yeah, he'll use that. Now you're all smelling the person in front of you. And again, I'm not suggesting that there's always this like diabolical, demonic, demonic presence behind every little thing that happens. But I am saying we need to be aware that there actually is a battle going on, right? And we believe this is a real thing that we need to be ready for and equipped for. And so this is why we're talking about our dress code. And so last week we talked about uh, the body armor of God's righteousness, kind of putting on God's shirt, basically. And the week before that, we talked about the belt of truth. And so we're slowly kind of putting on the wardrobe that is going to prepare us for this fight. And so tonight we're going to talk about the next item. And so back to Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 13. And we always read this verse. This is a refresher every week. It says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, and then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness, and for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. So tonight we're talking about shoes. We're going to put our shoes on. And some of you are like, yes, shoes night. But some of you love shoes. You've got a huge collection of shoes. You always need more shoes. Shoes to go with that one pair of pants that you will wear one time this year. It requires its own shoes. So, some of you are free. Yeah, the men are saying amen. Uh, and so some of you love them. Um, the people have a weird thing with shoes. In fact, when I was researching this sermon, a line kept popping up. And, and it was, the shoes make the man. What? What shoes? What shoes make a man? And what man? What man is made by shoes? Right? What a, what a dumb... You know who made that up was a wife who was fed up with her husband's nasty shoes. And she was like, this is a saying. It's a thing. <clears throat> Get better shoes. My shoes are in rough shape. They're... <laughs> They're, they're dangling a little bit. That entire sole was actually off a couple weeks ago. And uh, someone suggested shoe goo. And so I found this thing called shoe goo. Or my dad gave it to me, actually. So I put it on, and actually it's, it's working for the, you know, half. It's half working. So if the shoes make the man, I'm slowly losing my soul. Which is great. I won't do any more terrible shoe puns. I'm sorry. If I do, you just give me the boot. If I do, it's... <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Um, but shoes are obviously very important on a significant kind of practical level. You would not go anywhere kind of out without your shoes on. You would have not dreamed of coming here tonight without shoes on. You would have gotten frostbitten, you know, halfway here. Your feet would be turning blue and black and your toes would fall off this week and it'd be disgusting, right? Like, you you need to wear shoes. We understand that they are important for keeping your feet from the earth. That's what they do. <coughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty important. I'm obviously battling a throat thing right now, so I'm sorry for the entirety of this sermon. I'm sorry. Y'all can pray I keep my voice. Um, 
So shoes are this helpful barrier that exists between you and the world. They are protection. They're not just fashion, everyone. Shoes are not just fashion. They are protection. That is why you wear your shoes. Have you ever stepped barefoot on something and thought shoes would have been good right there? Uh, not even just for pain, just for grossness. You ever stepped in something? Is anyone, is anyone else's dog? Choose that our dog, when he was a puppy and was training, decided to use our driveway. That was going to be his bathroom. Not, not far away, just right where we walk all the time. And so in the summer, when it's nice, I got to run outside, grab something really quick, got to run out to the van, grab something really... You don't need shoes on for that. And so you walk out and you're like, ah, shoes would have been good. Right? If you think stepping in dog poop with shoes on is bad, try it without sometime. Don't. Actually, don't try it without sometime. Uh, anyone ever stepped on a nail? Right? That's not fun. That's not a good time. Uh, there was a summer that I worked for my uncle. He built houses on Graham and Ann. Fun fact. They don't need any more. He had to move. But anyway, they, uh, it was basically a roofing job for the entire summer because that's the one season you've got on Graham and Ann to do your roof. And so... Um, I was the new kid, I was the lackey, the inexperienced one, so I had to stand on the ground at the lawn with these tarps rolled out, and the other guys would strip the old shingles off and throw them down at me. And so you understand that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of roofing nails in all of those shingles that are old and rusty and nasty and just flying down at me. And I stepped on dozens, like a day. Just like every step, you'd be stepped. So eventually, I get this big old nasty indestructible pair of work boots. They were the greatest thing ever. Just picture me wearing like shorts and big old work boots. Like, yes. It was a, it was a beautiful picture. You understand that shoes are very important. I would argue the only thing more painful than stepping on a nail would be Lego. Anyone step barefoot on Lego? Unleash a torrent of profanity? No, no, hypothetically. Shoes are a form of protection, and in the same way that you would never dream of leaving your house without them on, you would not go into a battlefield without something on your feet. No one runs out onto a battlefield barefoot, and so we need to put our shoes on. So let's look at this verse again, Ephesians 6, 15. And it says, these are the kind of shoes we're putting on. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news. So you will be fully prepared. We're putting on peace. We're wearing peace. We're lacing up peace as our shoes. And everywhere we walk then, we're, we're taking peace with us. Right? Everyone, when you're wearing shoes, everywhere you go, they go with you, correct? And so when you're wearing shoes of peace, that means everywhere you go, you are taking peace with you. So we're, we're, we're wearing peace. We're lacing up peace. And it says, that's what makes us fully prepared. So there's this thing that if I don't have peace, I'm not ready yet. If I don't have peace, I am not fully prepared. Something would be missing. And so we have these shoes of peace. Peace is part of our preparation. So let's talk about peace for a minute, because we all lack probably more peace than we would want. You look around our world, you watch the news. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, we are lacking peace. And I think if we had to define peace, we'd all land somewhere similarly in the sense that peace would be the absence of trouble. 
it would be, maybe be the absence of noise for some of us. You picture peace as water and it's glass. There, there is no noise, there is no wind, there, there's nothing. It's just, it's just peace. Um, and then it always gets interrupted, doesn't it? How long do you have peace before it gets interrupted? It's not long. And so our peace gets interrupted by noise and chaos and troubles and problem and stress and anxiety. These are the things in our life that are attacking our peace. They're battling our peace. They're, they're actively working against our peace. Uh, I still think it's funny that there is a law in the world that you can be charged with disturbing the peace. <laughs> disturbing the peace. I think that's funny, right? Like, part of me wonders, like, if we actually took that seriously, we could be calling the cops all the time. Right, like how vague and overarching is disturbing the peace? Because like my kids disturb my peace constantly. Yeah. Right, like, hello 911? Yeah, my kids keep calling my name. <laughs> it is disturbing my peace. <laughs> I was at the movies this week with my kids watching Lego Batman, it's a great movie. And uh, we were in theater number two, South Campus. It smelled like Crosspoint, it was great. And the kid behind me, like just like a four-year-old, five-year-old kid behind me, was the loudest eater I have ever heard in my life. Like this kid was smacking, like the most emphatic smacking and chewing sounds that, that I've ever registered in my ears. It sounded like a garburator was behind me, just like <laughs> the whole time. It was terrible. And uh, I was just thinking like, I wonder, I wonder if I just call the cops right now, disturbing the peace. Hello, 911. Can you explain your situation? Yeah, there's a four-year-old behind me, louder than the surround sound in theater number two. Like, he's chewing. Like, he's disturbing the peace. We have our peace disturbed by everything. We have our peace disturbed constantly. In Britain, they call it a breach of the peace. Breaching the peace. Has a good ring to it. Of course, they also sometimes call it hooliganism, which I think is a great term. Hooliganism. Right, but you're breaching my peace, and sometimes uh, we, we lack peace. It's being disturbed in our marriages. Some of our marriages aren't peaceful. For some of you, it's your kids that are causing you stress and anxiety. For some of you, uh, your workplace lacks peace. Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a coworker. For some of you, school is the place where you lack peace. Maybe it's a student, maybe it's a teacher. <coughs> maybe you're the teacher and your students are here. We lack peace. Sometimes, though, it's not even in, in those circumstances. Sometimes it's even more kind of relational. It's with hard people. And you know who those hard people are in your life? You walk into a room and they're there, or you're in a room and they walk in and you're like, ah, you're breaching my peace. It's just hard right now. Sometimes it's not relational. Sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes you turn on the news and there's no peace Sometimes it's unexpected illnesses or sicknesses or stress. Sometimes uh, it's what you see on social media. That's a lot of noise on social media. I took a week off Facebook a couple weeks ago for peace. And I do it every few, few times a year. And I uh, hopped back on this week and instantly was like, what have I done? I am, I'm breaching my own peace right now. This is a disaster. Peace is hard to come by. And I bet if I could ask you right now, you, most of you would say, I could use more peace. I could use a little bit more peace in my life, which makes sense. 
especially for our world in general, for our families, for our city, for the planet, because uh, our enemy is the one who is the ruler of this world right now, right? We looked at that scripture a couple weeks ago. He's got fair game, free reign, and he hates peace. Our enemy seeks to steal, kill, destroy, and devour. That's what the Bible tells us. And so he wants fights. He wants war. He wants division. He, he wants things to be chaotic and tumultuous. He wants to throw gas on the fire and, and just make things worse than they are. So he hates peace. And so that we're lacking it. You look around and there's not a lot of, he's been doing pretty good at eliminating peace. He is a disturber of the peace. I think this is why when Jesus was prophesied as a Messiah, peace was such a big part of it. Because they were lacking peace back then too. Thousands of years ago, there wasn't any peace. They didn't have movie theaters or Facebook, but they didn't have peace. And so when the prophecy was coming that a Messiah is going to come, he's going to change everything, it's going to be great, they named him. One of his names was that he would be the Prince of Peace. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's what they wanted so desperately. In fact, when Jesus shows up in the stable, the angels sing, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. And peace has come. He's finally showed up. Now that Jesus is here, peace is here. And they thought it was going to look a very specific way. They thought Jesus was going to show up and bring peace by conquering all of their enemies. And so when Jesus didn't do that, a whole bunch of them decided that he wasn't the Messiah. No, no, no. Our Messiah was going to be the Prince of Peace. And he's not eliminating our enemies. But see, Jesus brought a different kind of peace entirely, church, and we need to remember this. His peace doesn't come by eliminating our enemies. It comes when you love your enemies. That's the kind of peace that Jesus brings. And that's the kind of peace that we now need to bring to the world. It's not about eliminating enemies. It's about how we love one another. He ushers in a brand new kind of peace. And, and the fact that it's even here now in the middle of chaos and stress and anxiety and war tells us it's a different kind of peace. It's not eliminating those things yet, but it exists in the middle of them. And we can have peace in the middle of our stress and anxiety and chaos. We, we can have peace in the middle of all of that stuff. That's what Jesus does. He says this in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. He says, the peace is in me. It's not ever going to be in the world. You're not going to find it out there in the world, but it's something that I give you. It's something that I bring. He says, I'm, I'm greater than the world. I'm above the world. I've overcome the world. Quit looking for your peace here, but it's something that I have given you. It's something that I am. It's something that only I can do. And so he is the source of our peace. And so when it says, put on your shoes of peace, what these shoes do is they give us this incredible grip where we can plant ourselves in firmly. So when all of the chaos is happening around us, we don't move. When all of the, the craziness is going on and, and it seems like, you know, everything else is just blowing away and it's just chaos everywhere. We're like, no, I'm, I have got my feet firmly planted because I am wearing the shoes of peace. I've got peace in the middle of whatever it is that I am in. It is a peace that goes beyond understanding, Scripture says. It's peace when, when it doesn't make sense that there should be peace. It's an indescribable peace. But that's what Jesus does for us. 
These are good shoes that give us peace in the middle of chaos. So we, we literally wear peace in the middle of war. That's what these shoes are. They're peace in the middle of war. So peace then, church, isn't the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It is the presence of Jesus. And so if you are looking for more peace in your life, it will be found in him. Not in any other external things that, that you might be able to do. A vacation will give you temporary peace for a moment. But Jesus will give you peace no matter where you are. No matter what's going on. It's a different kind of peace altogether. It's a peace where Jesus says, here's hope instead of fear. That's peace. He says, here's love instead of hate. That's peace. He says, here's justice instead of injustice. That's peace. And so everywhere he went, he was ushering in this kind of peace. And so when he tells us to live or be a certain way, when he says, act in love with compassion and mercy and grace and, and generosity and faith, those things usher peace into a world that needs it so desperately. That's how we show our world Jesus. When we live that way, when they see peace in us, when they shouldn't, when it doesn't make sense. It's because we have that peace. And so you wear your peace just like your shoes. Everywhere you go, it goes. You shouldn't ever be anywhere where you don't have peace on you or in you or around you. You're wearing it as part of your wardrobe. So what that means then is instead of going home and saying, ah, oh, there's no peace at my house, you go, how do I now bring peace into my house? Instead of going to your workplace and lamenting that there's no peace here and there's just drama and chaos all the time, you go into your workplace now and you say, how do I usher in peace to my workplace? Because I'm wearing it. It's on me. It's with me everywhere that I go. Now I'm responsible for taking this peace everywhere that I go. You're a bringer of peace. So peace is a twofold thing. Peace is something that you have. It's in you. It's around you. But peace is now also something that you take. And you take it to the people that are around you. It does both of these things. In fact, Jesus tells us to be peacemakers. This is Matthew 5.9. This is the NLT. And it says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. They work for peace. And I love that phrasing because it means it's not always easy. It doesn't just come naturally. You don't just walk into your workplace tomorrow and you're like, yeah, here's the peace, everyone. And like, no, you got to work at it. This is going to require some action on your part. The, the translation we're more familiar with probably uh, says that he blessed, uh, we are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. But again, that, that phrase is that we have to go make peace. This is something I have to do. I have to work at. I'm taking it everywhere I go, but it's going to involve me saying certain things and doing certain things that will usher peace into situations that are lacking peace. Peacemakers work for peace. This is action-oriented. So we, we put on our shoes and we go make peace. We're not disturbers of peace. Now we're distributors of peace. We're delivering it everywhere we go. In fact, now we go and we soothe and we calm what's chaos. We soothe and we calm what's stressful. That's what our presence should do, church. That's what the church should be doing. Walking in to the messiest, darkest, most crazy places and saying, here, let me, let me offer what Jesus Christ offers. 
and, and it's soothing and comforting. We're, we're like aloe vera for the earth. We're, we're like the essential oils for humanity. You know what I mean by essential oils? Look at this thing right here. It's these little bottles right here. Um, apparently, these little bottles of oils are full of healing properties. And they can calm you down, and they can give you healing effects and all kinds of other little witchcraft. Um, or you can get a little diffuser and you dump it in and it like blows it into the air, into the room, and everyone in that room is just soothed. It's like it smells like rainfall on cedar wood planks. That's what they're called. It's the craziest thing. Uh, now, I will say this. I have used essential oils. Last week is when I got this stinking cold and it was Sunday morning and I had to preach twice and I had no voice. And so I'm at the coffee area, not getting coffee, I'm getting tea, which is a whole other kettle of grossness. But I'm getting tea to try and help my throat and to help my voice. And, and it was Pastor Dave's wife, Vicky, who was working back there. And I was like, oh, I don't have a throat. And she's just like out of midair. She's just like, here. I have some essential oils for you. It's like this secret little jar that she pulls out and she's like, this will help you. I don't even, like, what is, th this feels illegal. Like, I don't know what's going on right now. And so she, you know, I, I take it and I open it up. It smells like Mr. Clean was climbing a pine tree or something. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. What do you do with this? Right? And there's no rules with essential oils. You can just dump it on your body, rub it all over your throat. You can, you can put it in a drink and down it. You can put it in one of those crazy diffusers and feel like you should have a license for essential oils or a prescription or something. Seems a little dicey. And here's the other thing about them. While I'm on this rant, you need a dealer, all right? You, you can't just go to Walmart and buy essential oils. You gotta, you gotta have a special dealer who, who will help you out. You gotta go online, you gotta talk to them. Like, Liz, you've been on the phone a lot. Who are you chatting with? My oils dealer. Oh, okay. So you need, y'all need, y'all need a Vicky Rowe to help you out in your time of need. And so I dump some of this on my hands and I rub it all over, rub it all over my throat and trying to wipe it off my hands as oil so it doesn't disappear. And so I reek, like I reek good. I reek good. Is that a thing you can do? And I smell like the woods and it's great. And I'm not saying that it like works or doesn't work, but I did preach twice last Sunday morning. It's like, whoo, neat. Um, it, later on in the week, it was Tuesday, we had a kind of an important meeting that I needed to be at, and, and so I was still kind of feeling, and so I'm down in the, the staff kind of room where we meet, and I'm like, ah, this isn't going well. Dave, out of nowhere, he's like, I've got this. It's like, who, what is it with you guys and your oils? You just always have it on you all the time? And so I kid you not, this time, I didn't want to like stink the high heavens again. So I, I dump it in my water and start chugging it down. I don't know if you're supposed to drink that stuff because I just started choking everywhere. And I was like, this is awful. Anyway, I dumped it out. My coffee mug still smells like that oil. I kid you not, I haven't used it since. Anyway, essential oils. The point of them, ultimately, is that if they're working, if they're in a room and the room smells like in the room work, it changes the environment that it's in. It changes the atmosphere that it's in for the bettering of everyone else who is in that room, okay? So you hear where I'm going with this? So should we. Wherever environment we find ourselves in, whether it is work, school, home, whatever it is, we should be part of what's changing the atmosphere in there for the better. 
We, we are agents of peace now. We are distributing peace. We're eliminating stress. We're eliminating noise and confusion and chaos. And we're offering the world something that is stable and peaceful and hope-filled and merciful. And it should change everywhere that we are. It should change the people that we are around. We should be making peace. We're peacemakers. We should be working for peace. This is what we do now. As followers of Christ, we're supposed to go into the sickness and bring healing. That's what peace is. So being a peacemaker isn't just not doing violent things, but it's taking initiative and entering into these places and saying, let me help. Let me be a part of, of bringing peace to this. This is a commandment for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's Romans 10, 13. Got a little too fired up about essential oils. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord <laughs> will be saved. But then listen to this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet who bring good... No one's ever called my feet beautiful before. <clears throat> but it's true. If we're wearing shoes like peace, this is what we're delivering. We are distributors of the good news, of peace, of goodness. We're agents of peace now, but it starts with us. It starts with our relationships it starts with our homes. It, it starts with the decisions we make. It starts with the words that we use. Like, we have to make peace. We have to work at this, right? So this isn't, this isn't about some, like, let's hop on a plane, go to Afghanistan, stop a literal war, bring peace. No, this is a spiritual battle, right? So this is spiritual peace. So remember... We're just going to get super practical here for the last few minutes. The devil is trying to stir up division and chaos in your life. And he will start with your relationships. <clears throat> this is where he will cause the most chaos. This is where you lose the most peace. That's with people. That's with your relationships. And we are responsible for that now. Here's Romans 12, 18, such a simple, difficult verse. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Those last three words, peace with everyone. Are you currently at peace with everyone? That's hard. And if you're not, have you done all you can to be at peace with everyone? Man, this is, this is a tricky one, isn't it? Because here's what we would rather do. We would rather avoid unresolved conflict, conflict than go make peace. But that's not making peace. Avoiding unresolved conflict will give off the appearance of peace. It will give the impression of peace, but it is not making peace. That's avoidance. It's not doing anything. All right, so if you're, 
If you're ticked off at someone at the church that goes to North Campus, you're like, I'm going to South Campus now. That's it. I'm, I'm hopping across the river. We're just going over there. That's not fixing anything. That's just avoiding conflict. Right? If there's someone here on the north side, like 9 a.m. service just breaches your peace. That, that shouldn't be why you're here Saturday night. Right? Avoidance of conflict is not making peace. And the, and the devil would love to just continually kind of make that division and, and keep working at that and, and make it worse than it is. But our biblical mandate is to make peace. It is to work at it. It is hard, but it matters, and it's important. And that matters in your home, in your marriage, with your children. You've got to make peace. Remember what's at stake here, everything. This is kingdom stuff. This is life or death stuff. The enemy would love nothing more than to destroy your relationships, to make sure that you stay angry at your spouse, to make sure that you don't have that talk with your kids, to make sure that, you know, those... Churches split instead of resolve to make sure that you have more enemies than you have friends, that there's bitterness, that there's resentment, that it's growing. He loves it. That's his meat and potatoes, is war, conflict, strife, and division. That's what he's working for, right? So we combat it with peace. We fight back with peace. The most ironic thing ever is peace is our warfare. Peace is our warfare. This is how we combat the enemy. And we usher in peace and we try and put an end to division. Is it easier to leave sometimes? Sure, but that's not what these shoes are for. These shoes are for planting into the middle of hard times and saying, let's make peace. Let's do the hard thing that's going to matter the most and going to be the best. Peace is our warfare. Here's Hebrews 12, 14. Almost says the exact same thing. It says, work at living in peace with everyone. There's that phrase again, peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So there's this connection to you being at peace with one another and your holiness and your connection to your holiness and your eternity. Do you see how quickly and large this kind of ramps up? In fact, Jesus goes so far at one point to say, if you don't forgive one another, I'm not forgiving you. Ah, that's hard. That's a big one for us. This is how big peace is in your relationships. So here's what it means. Here's how we can work at peace this week, just really practically. Number one, in order to make peace, you need to do more listening than talking. You should listen more than you talk when it comes to these conflicts, when it comes to these relationships. Proverbs 10, 19, great verse. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Best verse. That first line, too much talk leads to sin. You know what sometimes gets us into these messes where there's no peace, where there's conflict? Is this. This is what gets us there. Just chatter and gossip and spreading the news and, and making it worse. And I heard it was this. Well, I heard it was this. Nuclear atomic bomb. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. It's the Bible. It wasn't me. I can say it. <laughs> and if you do have to speak, remember what the Bible says. It says things like, a gentle answer will turn away wrath. That's what you want. If you have to speak, you speak gently. Turning away wrath will make peace. Right? 
We need to listen more. And when you listen, listen to understand. Right? Sometimes we'll just listen because it's what I'm doing to figure out what it is I'm going to say next. Here's how I'm going to refute you. Here's how I'm going to respond to you. No, listen to understand. Where are they coming from? What's their point of view? What am I missing? How, what, if I could put myself in their shoes, what could I learn from this scenario right now? Listen to understand. So that's the first thing. Do more listening than talking. The second thing, this is so hard for us, we need to be open to being the wrong one. Be open to being wrong. We've got this stubborn thing inside of us that says, if I'm in a conflict, it's them. If I'm in a conflict, it's on them. Something they've done to themselves, I'm the one who's in the right, and we need to always be open if we're in a conflict right now where it says, what if I'm the one who actually did something I shouldn't have? What if I'm the one who used words carelessly? What if I'm the one who didn't think before I spoke? What if I'm the one who, who may have been miscommunicated? Or, or maybe, maybe I've actually been the one at fault. Can we at least remotely, possibly, maybe consider that we're the wrong ones sometimes? We're not always right, right? Right. That's hard for us. But if you want peace, if you want to make peace and work for peace, then we need to be open that maybe sometimes we're the one who messed up. And then thirdly, remember the battle. And what I mean by that is that the person that you are currently in conflict with, the, the situation where you don't have peace, remember they're not your enemy. They're not your enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Right? So the enemy might be speaking to them, discouraging them, lying them, also doing the same to you, but they're not your enemy. And the battle that's happening, it's bitter, bigger than the one that you actually see. That's the real battle that you're in. And the enemy would love to, to make you forget that. And he would love to, to make this worse than it really is. And so you remember, here's the battle I'm in. So how might the enemy be working? How, how might he be lying? How might he be discouraging right now? Maybe I should pray for this person more than I talk about this person. Maybe I should pray for this person more, more than I win fake arguments against them in my head. Have I laid them kind of on the altar and said, all right, Lord, soften my heart towards this person? Are you praying for the Holy Spirit's discernment to give you wisdom in this circumstance stance and situation? Or are you just trying to go about it on your own? Charisma or whatever, wisdom. This is kingdom work. The stakes here aren't just your own pride, it's God's kingdom. Your battles are bigger than your battles. We always need to remember that. So today I want us to know these two things. One is that peace is always with you through Jesus Christ. And it plants your feet in the hardest, most difficult, stressful times and says, here's peace, it's with you. But the other thing about peace is that now we take it with us and we offer it to a world who is greatly lacking in peace. Don't complain about the absence of peace. Be a distributor of that peace and offer healing and comfort to the world, even if it's in your own life, your own relationships. Right? And so maybe today you need to take care of some unresolved conflict. Maybe today what, what you need to do is go home and get on the phone or track down a person or, or start to pray for this person or whatever it is, but you cannot give the enemy a foothold because he will just continue to rip that thing apart. Don't go another day with unresolved conflict and pretend that it's peace. Be peacemakers. And this week when you go off to work or school or wherever it is, remember your job now 
is to work at this, to be at peace with everyone, with that boss, that teacher, that student, that coworker, that family member, whatever it is, do all that you can to be at peace with everyone. And this is how we continue to fight the good fight. Amen? Amen.